brought to you by RunToGold.com, the premier source for monetary science applied to geopolitical, international, and economic financial news and events. Well, welcome back to episode 27 of the RunToGold.com podcast. Today I'll be talking a little bit about what happened with gold as it seemed to fall to about 885 and then rocket up to 760 within a 24-hour period. I mean, this is crazy, the volatility. What happened is uh, Chairman Bernanke decided to announce to the world that he's going to make the U.S. dollar worthless, or at least try. For some reason, people keep buying it. It is the world reserve's currency and is uh, extremely liquid, considered the safe haven, so that's not to be unexpected. Anyways, the term is called quantitative easing. And with quantitative easing, it's a tool of monetary policy. And in effect, the quantity of money uh, doesn't really matter to the people, nor does the, the quality, at least the people who are managing the currency. And so they'll increase the, the size of the currency and not really care about its quality or its purchasing power. And so usually it's a way to debase the currency. The Bank of England... They've been engaging in quantitative easing for a while, and I've mentioned it in several uh, blog posts, along with uh, Japan recently engaging in quantitative easing, and also Switzerland. Japan, they're talking about buying $100 billion of bonds, and in Switzerland it appears that some of the Swiss banks are in severe trouble, and now the U.S. has finally been able to crack them on a lot of their bank secrecy, so you'll probably have to look for better havens than Switzerland. I like gold money. It's in Jersey, uh, free to open the accounts, very good value. Uh, you can check it out on the blog. Get some free storage, too, if you open the link through the, the ad on Run to Gold. So this quantitative easing is going to... The, what they're trying to do is they're trying to force capital up the liquidity pyramid by making it not attractive enough to to stay in the treasuries because all the capital is moving into treasuries because they're safe and liquid. And that's what happens during a deflationary credit contraction. So you have a decrease in the asset price of, of everything above the assets uh, and as it evaporates away, see it doesn't collapse, it evaporates. Uh, if it collapsed, then there'd actually be cards left on the table when it evaporates. You know, the, there's nothing left in the pan except whatever's below the particular assets and so a capital moves from the, the safe the less safe more risky less liquid assets into the safer or more liquid assets and and so whatever fictitious capital is there it evaporates away and so the only thing that's going to be left will probably be gold and silver because they're cash and so that's where the Fed's walking a very fine line with this quantitative easing because it could lead to genuine hyperinflation. Uh, I doubt it'll happen, at least not for a few years, but one can never know. As we saw in the information age, things can happen really, really fast. Uh, just in a matter of, of minutes, gold rocketed up $50 an ounce, which is pretty insane because... Gold is not just a commodity, and it's it's not just a portfolio asset that goes up 5%. Gold is a currency, 
And with these new tools on the internet, like gold money, it can function as a currency in ordinary daily transactions. I mean, think about that. If enough people spoke gold money, uh, like people speak the U.S. dollar or the, the euro, then the value of gold would increase tremendously because it would be being used in ordinary daily transactions. You could buy a can of soda with gold in the vault in, in Switzerland. Or you could pay for a oil, an oil tanker. You know, you, it doesn't matter. And the efficiencies involved in that type of a system are tremendous. And all these types of risks that are inherent in our current banking system and monetary system would be eliminated. You'd have no counterparty risk because deposits couldn't be loaned out. You, you know, you wouldn't, uh, your, your bank account would be a certain amount of ounces of gold and, it, and they couldn't be lent out without your express permission. And so, I mean, that's going to evaporate tons and tons of fictitious capital in this great uh, inflationary credit expansion because, you know, you move a million dollars out of Wachovia or something and that, that translates into $30 million worth of loans at least. And with the way it gets pyramided out among all the different banks and everything, I mean, you turn a million dollars into physical gold of, of deposits and you're looking at being able to decrease the actual uh, quote-unquote asset supply or asset price in this in this liquidity pyramid by billions and, and billions of dollars. And so that's what's happening. And it's it's really these shadow derivatives and OTC derivatives that's, that are vaporizing these firms. And, and so when you have a decline in asset price of just a couple of percent, then uh, it vaporizes a firm because they're so highly leveraged. And, and guess who guaranteed... The, uh, these OTC derivatives, well, it was AIG. And so really these bailouts that are going to AIG are, they're, by analogy, they're like a minimum payment on a credit card. And, and so the bailout goes to AIG, and then they take the bailout and they give it to their counterparties on these OTC derivatives. They make their minimum credit card payment just to to keep the derivative illusion uh, going. And so that's what we're seeing is we're seeing people, we're seeing capital move down the pyramid into the safe liquid assets because they don't want to be exposed to AIG. They don't want to be exposed to the U.S. Treasury or other fiat currencies because they can become worthless. You know, gold will still be there. I mean... We could we could see, I mean, gold could fall to a dollar an ounce, but it would still be worth something. But the Federal Reserve note can fall to worthlessness. You know, it can, it could technically never buy any gold, whereas gold will always buy some Federal Reserve notes. And so at the end of this great credit contraction, there will at least be something there if you own gold and silver, uh, which you can't be guaranteed if you own anything else, because who knows what will happen. You might own real estate, and and you could lose it through owing taxes, because these criminal gangs that are costumed in government regalia, they, they require you to use their 
tickets to pay property tax. And, you know, how do you get those tickets? Well, <laughs> you, <laughs> you might have to exchange your gold, but then what if there's some big uh, capital gains taxes on, on gold and silver or things like that that they decide to implement to try and force capital up the pyramid? But, but ultimately, everything's going to, you know, it's all going to evaporate because this, this atom that we've built all these complex structures with the financial atom is the is the U.S. Treasury, because it's considered the risk-free rate by all these court economists, and it's evaporating. And, and as it does so, all of these organizations and all of these structures begin evaporating. In the Fed, they've decided, oh well, we're going to just uh, speed up the rate of that evaporation. And that's what they're doing with this quantitative easing. I mean, as if they weren't screwing it up bad enough uh, already. But it seems that they want change, and they want change faster, and they want it now. And uh, by golly, they're probably going to get it. It's almost like it's like that story out of the Bible where they get the stick out and start beating the donkey to try to get the donkey to move. You know, well, all the investors, all the hedge funds, they're all they're all in the treasuries, and they're not moving and now the Fed's getting a stick out, and they're trying to beat the donkeys to get them to move, and uh, they just might run the other way than the Fed wants them to go. They might just decide, you know, we're going to buy gold instead of going up the pyramid into OTC derivatives or into mortgage-backed securities or into real estate. They might just be like, you know what, we're just going to buy gold and wait this out, and when that change in attitude comes, that's when things are going to get really interesting because, you know, if you don't have any gold, you won't be able to buy anything. So anyways, that's a little bit on this quantitative easing and a little bit of my musings on it. Uh, thanks for listening to the 27th episode of the RunToGold.com podcast. Uh, there haven't been a couple episodes for a few weeks. The reason for that is... I've been working uh, feverishly on this book, The Great Credit Contraction, and it's actually almost finished. So hopefully we'll see see it released here and, and y'all be able to purchase it within, uh, within a short time. So I, I think it'll really help people uh, fill in the, the blocks because... You read the blog, and, and you get a block here and a block there, but the foundation is not fully set. And, and the book, what it really does is go step by step, line by line, and, and help build that foundation of economic law and monetary science so that you can then uh, have a good, solid understanding of what's going on. So it'll be a good book to read. And yeah, I, I've gotten a lot of complaints about the website with uh, at least how it's presented, the the layout and everything, and and it doesn't show up well on certain browsers or whatever. And you, there there are actually some reasons for that. And what I want to do is I want to make a lot of improvements to the website so that it's more easily. Uh, accessible and, and readable for you, the users. And you see, I, it works fine for me, so I, I don't see these problems. But 
uh, from what I understand, a good 30 to 40% of the users of the website have some of these problems that it aligns the text and then it's hard to read and it's probably real annoying and takes a long time to load. And Anyways, I'd like to fix all those problems, but uh, to really do that, it, I'm going to have to take it to the next level and that's going to cost money. It's going to it's going to be professionals that I'm, I'm going to need to hire and it's going to take quite a bit of time. And, you know, since I use the website and I don't have any problem with it, uh, it's not too urgent for me. Um, but I do realize it is urgent for the users. And so really, uh, I figure I'll release the ebook uh, and I might have different price points that people can purchase it at. And, you know, if you purchase it at the higher price point, then that'll be more revenue uh, that I can then plow back into the site. And, you know, I plow back into the site and then everybody uh, gets a nicer site and it's more easier to use and, and really it, it's a community effort. So if you want to uh, help build the site or whatever, just uh, buy the book for one of the higher prices and uh, and then uh, the site will have... Uh, the cash to be able to hire some of these professionals and designers and I've, I'm, I mean I've got a lot of ideas for improving the site uh, some of them are cheaper you know they'll, they'll only cost a couple thousand dollars uh, some of the other ones they're a lot more uh, uh, expansive ideas uh, that that would be really helpful tools for people to be able to manage their money and their portfolios and be able to calculate and analyze stocks and things a lot better. Uh, but those you know those those ideas they they might cost quite a bit more money and take a lot more time. So we'll see uh, how much money comes in from this book. I've already outlaid several thousands of dollars getting everything designed for it and laid out and. And my editor, she's a Ivy League trained lawyer and law professor, and so she wasn't cheap, but she edited it and it reads real well, and uh, and so it's a good product. I think everybody will be pleased with it. They'll like it. It's a lot more thought and effort's gone into it than than the blog posts that I make. Uh, so, anyways, uh, yeah, I recommend buying it and then. Uh, if you if you want to contribute to help making the site better, or if you're annoyed with with uh, some of the layout stuff, we'll go ahead and and buy it at one of the higher prices, and then uh, then I'll be able to take those funds and make a make a nicer site. So, anyways, that's a little bit of update on where we're at with things, and I'm getting really excited about about this ebook. Everybody got a taste of it with that chart that I made on the liquidity pyramid and actually Jim Sinclair who's he's the big daddy gold bug he's the he's the he's the daddy elephant on his site he he actually posted it on his home page and said that, that this is a good clear simple representation of exactly what's going on so there's a strong endorsement from Jim Sinclair and and if he thinks that that that, that mere chart is is good, uh, man, he should read the ebook because it really outlines everything clearly, concisely, uh, builds the foundation wonderfully. Uh, 
so anyways, that's where we're at. It's been a lot of work, a lot of effort to get it put together, but I think it'll really help people out. And uh, so thanks, and <laughs> hope to get it out pretty soon. I mean, it's all done. We're just filling in a couple stock art pictures right now, but everything's done, all the text and the layout and all that's done. So hopefully it'll be done here pretty soon. Anyways, uh, talk to you later. This has been the 27th episode of the RunToGold.com dot com podcast and I'll talk to you later you've been listening to the run to gold dot com podcast the premier source for applied monetary science on the web